Hello and welcome to Series 3 of Made at UCL, the podcast. My name is Karis Bradley and I'm here to share with you UCL's groundbreaking research and its impact on the world. Each month, the Made at UCL team and I will be exploring a research theme and gathering stories from all over the community to try and understand it. In our sixth episode of this series, we wanted to try something a little bit different. In June earlier this year, UCL became the first London university to offer free walking tours of its campus. These walking tours, which takes place every Friday, invite visitors onto campus to learn more about the history and research of UCL. Lasting roughly an hour, the tour stops at key landmarks on campus, such as the Wilkins Building and the Student Centre, and shares the history and work of notable alumni, such as Sir Bernard Katz and Rachel Whiteread. We wanted to give you a little taster of what the tours were like, and so the Made at UCL team has visited three of the tour spots to give you your own tour of their UCL. Our first stop is the Wilkins Building, right at the centre of UCL's campus. Before it was built, Bloomsbury looked very different. It was a swampy wasteland at the edge of London described as a large space of mud and nastiness, if you can believe that. The first stone of the Wilkins Building was laid in 1827, and it took over 100 years for the quad to be fully completed. Here is Ariana Razavi with a story about what the Wilkins Building means to UCL students. The UCL walking tours are a really great way to hear about the history of UCL, both as an institution and as a place. I spoke to one of the student guides of the walking tours to hear a little bit more about what they are. Hi, I'm Phoebe. I'm a second year history and politics of the Americas student, and I do the history public tours for UCL, where I do a tour around the campus, talk about the main people who have lived here and worked here, some of our alumni, and a bit of history about the buildings. I normally start off by just saying a bit about UCL's history in general. So UCL was founded in 1826. It's arguably the third oldest university in England, and it is ranked one of the best universities in the world um, and actually has the biggest student population of any university in the UK. I think it's about 45,000 students, which is a lot of students. So um, UCL was founded on quite radical and innovative thinking and it was founded by two abolitionists and it was the first university to admit anyone from any religious background. Um, so. Before UCL, you had to be a member of the Church of England to go to university, um, and also a man. Um, And although UCL didn't open originally as admitting women, it was the first university to admit women, and later on the first university to give women degrees. There was a time where women could go to university, but they couldn't actually get a degree. Mm -hmm. But UCL was the first um, university to do it. There are many really famous female alumni that specifically chose to do their research here at UCL because of that. So the Wilkins building, which is the massive white marble looking structure that you probably see every day when you come into campus, but maybe don't really know why it looks like that or what it it is. To find out more, I've spoken to some of the students that spend their time outside of the Wilkins building on the main quad and inside the building. So I'm on Gower Street, right outside the main quad right now, and I'm looking towards the portico steps, 
And since they're here and they're knowledgeable, we're going to ask one of the campus ambassadors what they know about the Wilkins building. Hi, my name's Aaron. Uh, and what I know about the Wilkins building. So it's one very big building and there's two little cloisters on either side uh, and there's a portico bang in the middle. It looks like it needs a lick of paint. But yeah, you've got the main library in the middle. Um, there's a little area I like to hang out and study quietly when it's kind of evening and that's around the side of the North Cloisters near the physics uh, entrance. And you've also got the Wilkins Terrace uh, through the North Cloisters and then you've got Japanese Garden through the South Cloisters. Um, and then you have an octagon gallery in the middle. The Wilkins Building, which is sometimes referred to as the UCL Main Building, is named after William Wilkins, who designed it. He was a prominent architect in the 1800s and also designed the National Gallery which, now that I think about it, might look somewhat similar to the main building at UCL. So I've walked inside the South Cloisters now. Let's see what people have to say about this building we're in. I think it's, it's really the most recognisable part of UCL, um, being, I would assume, the oldest building. The inside is very grand, very tall ceilings. The ceilings are very tall and the hallways are very long. And there seem to be a lot of things on the walls throughout the Wilkins building and outside on the Wilkins Terrace, which you're about to hear. Not a lot of people seem to know about is that there's something called the donor wall, which is by the um, by the lift going down to the refectory. And that wall, if I remember correctly, represents the, is a bunch of metal hands that represents the 40 most generous donors to UCL. A cool fact is that the length of the hands has some connection, probably a direct connection to how generous the uh, donors were. So there's some really long hands from like big institutions, big name, um, celebrities and some shorter hands from other people who I have no idea who they are. I've walked right up to the library now, so I'm going to see what the most popular spot in here is. My bet is on the German section, but maybe I'm biased since I'm literally always there. Hi, nice to meet you. I'm Luisa, and my favorite place to study in the main library is is uh, the English section of the main library. Because it's very aesthetic. It's like old, you know, wooden shelves. That's, and they even ch changed the chairs. They did change the chairs. Yeah. They're brand new now. Yeah, still my, won't cure my scoliosis, but I mean, I appreciate the, the attempt. Well, my favorite, <laughs> my favorite part is Dutch or German. How come? They're the best, like, or the window and... Uh, oh, that's a good choice, actually. Yeah, yeah German. But not many people know where it is. That's the point. <laughs> my name is Lanfranco, and my favorite main library section is the Dutch section, because 
you can be surrounded by three walls of books, which is a, a good aesthetic. So my favorite library section is, uh, <laughs> I don't actually know what it's called, but it's on the second floor and there are actually two levels. And usually I would sit on the top level. And the reason why it's my favorite area is because in the run up to term three in the Easter holidays, while we were all panicking and rushing to write up and, and send in our essays, I would always go and sit there with Ariana and know this isn't a paid promotion. It was the site of, of many, you know, many tears, many laughs. I remember in the main library once, uh, my friend and I, we went to study and it was pouring outside. So we kind of run into the main library. And I remember we sat down and I was like, okay, I'm going to study. So I tried to like read Plato there and then I turn around and the entire time she's just drawing the columns inside the law library because as we know, that's the prettiest one, right? And she was just drawing the columns and kind of, um, she's really, really good at drawing. So that was very nice because I remember she, I was just reading, trying to work and she was just drawing right next to me. I found it so nice to hear different people's stories and experiences of a place that's been so special to me since I started at UCL two years ago. It's quite remarkable how a building from the 1800s is still so central to so many people's experience at university. If you'd like to visit the main library, it's open from 8.30am till midnight on weekdays and from 11am till 9pm on weekends. If you would now like to follow me, we are going to head out of the main quad and take a left on Gower Street. If you're on the main tour, there would be lots of stops, but we're going to head straight down and take another left into Mallet Place, and then one more left back onto campus and up past the Science Library to the Petrie Museum. Here I'm going to hand you over to Molly Rasbash so you can discover it together. I'm in the final year of my undergrad degree here at UCL. I study arts and sciences, which is an interdisciplinary course, meaning I've probably seen more of the UCL campus than the average student, as all my lectures are given from different faculties. Yet, there are still so many buildings I've never been to, departments I haven't even heard of, and doors that I pass without wondering where they go. Mallet Place is one of the key streets on the UCL campus. It has the engineering building, the science library, the Institute of Making, the Medical Science Building. In term time, it's always busy. Also on Mallet Place, next to a perpetual queue for five pound pizzas, is a big dark door. This door, that I've walked past so many times, leads to one of the world's foremost collections of Egyptian and Sudanese archaeology, the Petrie Museum. You walk up some bright white stairs and are met with a small space filled with ancient artefacts. The museum couldn't feel more different from the rush of main campus. It's like a time capsule, showcasing life along the Nile from prehistory to the pharaohs. 7,000 years of history, 
80,000 artefacts, though they can only showcase around 10% at a time. The place feels important. There's, there's so much to see, and every, every time I come in, I should see things I've never seen before, all kind of stuff. It's not always been there. Yeah. <laughs> Me too, and then I'm like, oh, did you move that? Is this, has this just been moved here? No, it has not been moved since 1970s or something like yeah. that. I spoke to Anna Garnett, the curator, and Josh Henning, the museum visitor services manager, about the museum. The Peachy Museum is free to access for anyone, not just students, but primarily it is a teaching collection. The teaching collections have been like embedded in the kind of approach and the history of education at Since UCL. Much the founding, so teaching and research first and foremost is the priority. And we're not just talking about students, it's kind of broader research, broader teaching of the public um, and every visitor that, that comes in. These, these aren't static displays, they are still being used almost on a daily basis sometimes. Yeah. And discoveries are still being made. I maintain, I'm determined that anyone can come to us with any subject or any story that they want to tell and we can use the collection to illustrate that story. You could, you could tell me anything, you could ask anything and we could do it. Unlike the big museums which tend to focus on packing as much gold and jewels into their exhibitions as possible, the Petrie collection focuses on the everyday. It's very much we're trying to get the connection with the individuals, the people. We, we've all heard about the Pharaohs, we've all heard about Tutankhamun, but it's the kind of the everyday people, the people that we would have been had we lived 5,000 years ago. And some of the objects they have in the collection are quite humbling to think about. A rat trap, the oldest will, the oldest example of a woven garment. I'm struck with just how ordinary some of it feels. Everyone's heard of Cleopatra, um, sort of Julius Caesar, sort of the very end of the uh, first, first millennium, sort of the first century uh, BC. Um, we're close in time to her than she was to like the construction of the Great Pyramid and some of the earlier stuff on display here. Yet we consider her an ancient Egyptian. Um, that kind of quite how far removed we actually are, but at the same time how a lot of things don't change. This small museum is also at the centre of some tough debates and they're willing to have the hard conversations about legacies of excavation, accessibility, imperialism, human remains, decolonisation and histories that some try to erase. You know, let's tell the whole story here. We, um, we have good, like, close-up working relationships with yeah. colleagues in Egypt and museums and in the Antiquities Service, and um, it's always, it's that dialogue, it's really important, it's, um, and it's ongoing, and you're right, like, the Petrie Museum are always at the forefront of those sorts of conversations. As I wandered through the display cabinets, which are museum objects in and of themselves, many of them the original cases from when the collection was first donated to UCL, I spoke to some of the visitors to find out how they use the space and their thoughts on the collection. To be honest, I come here to decompress a bit. I sometimes do work here or just wander around. I could spend hours and hours in there. I haven't seen anything quite like it before. I'm always at museums. I just can't believe I didn't know it existed until a few days ago. I've passed the door probably like hundreds of times and today's the first time I actually went in. Yeah, it's often described as a hidden gem. Um, which is like, it's kind of bittersweet because it's great that we're a gem, but we don't want to be hidden. It's also, we it's, want it's to, you know. Of, it's not because the visitor numbers are quite low, we only get a couple of hundred people a day. The Petrie Museum is free to all visitors and is open from 1 to 5 pm Tuesday to Friday and 11 am to 5 pm on Saturday. There's step free access via the Science Library. I can't recommend a visit enough. I know there's a lot to see, but we need to move on to our next and final destination. We take a left out of the Petrie Museum and head through the South Quad.
wind round past the Werner Katz building and you should see the student centre on your right. The student centre was being built basically the entire time that I was at UCL, and so this next segment is going to be my first introduction to it. This is Chanju Mwanza with stories from the student centre. This month marks the end of my master's programme and the end of an academic journey with UCL that spanned five years across my undergraduate and master's degrees. As I come to reflect on my time at UCL, it felt apt to look at the very spaces that created friendships, witnessed both laughter and tears, and basically accompanied me in writing some of the academic pieces that I'm most proud of. When I began my undergraduate degree in 2014, there was talk of future building work for a new study space that frankly felt a bit too far into the future for 18-year-old me to worry about. That space was the student centre. And as I wore my graduation cap and gown in 2018, the space was almost complete. Flash forward to 2021 and my return to UCL, I got the opportunity to actually experience the student centre, a space that didn't even exist when I first stepped onto campus eight years ago. But what is the student centre? I spoke to Ahmed Uddin, the student centre manager, to find out more. I managed the library student centre, which opened in 2019. The student centre is our flagship library building. It's very unique. Uh, that's why we've had a lot of interest in from different institutions. It's, it's run by library services and people come and say, where's the books? There is no book. We have 1,100 study spaces. Uh, we have different technological uh, aspects of the building as well. My favourite part is the roof area where we have a roof garden. Uh, it's on a beautiful sunny day, yeah, or even on a rainy day, it's just lovely to watch out and see the weather changes and the sunset. It's basically a one-stop shop for everything a student might need, from laptop loans to showers, cafes, group study rooms, individual study spaces, a chaplain, prayer and contemplation rooms. The student inquiry team is also based there, and student societies often use the centre to showcase their work throughout the year. Students use it differently. It's depending on what type of work that they need to submit or what type of work. So if it's research and then it's a serious piece of work or exam time, then people choose quiet study. But if it is not, then they can use the group rooms or they can use the social study area. So it depends on their student needs. I think that the idea of being student-led is key to the ethos of the student centre. I spoke to some of my course mates who all did a master's degree under the Education and International Development Programme at UCL's Institute of Education to reflect on how they've engaged with the student centre throughout the year and what this space means to them. Uh, I would say I pretty much only used it for like studying, like going to write a paper or do some do kind of research in a space that wasn't like my house. And that's where I would use it. Um, it's it is nice because you can go any time of day. Like it is 24 seven. So like there were times where I'd have to leave the library because it was closing or it wasn't open yet um, on the weekend. So I'd use like the student center so that I wouldn't waste those actually feeling productive hours in the morning. That was Rosa, a student from Virginia in the United States. For her, the student center was functional, a space to study, particularly when other libraries might be closed. Most often I, I would do the bookable study spaces. So like a very specific uh, resource I used at the student center 
But the reason I liked it is because like the rooms themselves were very well equipped. You had your PC, very clean, very cool during the summer, during this crazy heat wave. The student center was like the coolest building, but I would mostly go there to study for like a day. I would like camp out. It was like that kind of place, you know, because you have like the water stations. It was a good place to kind of camp out because it was 24 hours and everyone's kind of doing that there. And that was Carmen from California. For her, not only was the student center a functional study space, it's also a space for sustenance, for food, water and having shelter from the sweltering heat in the summer. It's clear that the student centre was a space used to help students to get in the zone, but also to learn in solidarity with other students going through the same academic highs and lows. Overall, the building was created in a way that was meant to support students' learning journeys. It has different services and different technology under one roof, and that's one of the amazing things about it, that if I'm a student in the building, I don't need to go to other library sites or other places in the campus to do things. It's clear that as an architectural space, that houses so many different services. The Student Centre can support people's individual learning journeys. This is one thing that my friend Ishani, a student from India, highlighted. You, honestly, I was usually in the top floors. I love the terrace. Sometimes what I would also do is um, there were these empty chairs and tables at the side, right next to floor two or floor three. It had a beautiful view and not a lot of people used to come there. So it was, used to be kind of like my space and that's that's why I really love UCL spaces because they're, they're so huge you can actually find the space for yourself. For Ashani, the student centre was like a personal space, a mini oasis where she could escape and the view from the student centre is something that came up for other students too. Michelle from Hong Kong shared her reflections. Yeah, so I really like uh, the design of the student center because I always feel like I can have the sunshine from the like glass window outside. And I also love the like roof terrace on the fourth floor. Yeah, the view from there is really nice so I can like take a break from my studies. Her views were similar to my friend Tu, a student from Vietnam who engaged with the views from the student center as a space for contemplation. The space is generally ideal for studying. I, I feel like I'm really good with focusing in that environment. Like there's some noise, but not too much noise. <laughs> so which is um, like suitable for just keeping myself focused. There are also like a lot of great views from that uh, building too. I can look uh, around and, and look into the space or look through the windows. Those little details are really kind of engaging with my, with my work. And I found a kind of affection for that. So far, we've heard perspectives that are centered on studying. Even though the student center is described as a library with no books, it's much more than that. It's a space where students have made memories. Ahmed shared some of the more obscure memories that he's observed during his time as the student centre manager. Yeah, this is the amazing thing about the building and the students are amazing that they, they do so many funny things. My staff and myself have catched people playing football uh, in, in B2. We've seen people uh, playing cricket as well in B2. 
Yeah, you wouldn't you, you wouldn't believe it. Uh, I'm a sports fan, so you know I, I I admire their passion. Also, we've you know you know we have we've have screens around here where you could connect your laptop. People have used it to connect their PS5s and PS4s to play football, and obviously we have to say no. So it's funny that they they know what to do with the technology and how to tailor it to their needs. Uh, we've had people use book book the group rooms to watch Champions League football. <laughs> So yeah, it's 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 funny, and you know, I'll give it to them that they've tried their best to use it, and everyone needs a break. But unfortunately, the student center is for studying. But those are some of the funny stories that we've had. And for some, the student center came to the rescue in hours of need. There was one time when my uh, my home was like out of hot water, <laughs> like there's no hot water in in my home, and I I think of like going to the student center to to take a bath. And I did. <laughs> it was quite, <laughs> it was quite good actually. Um, so, and then after that, I, I, I just went back home. It was, <laughs> it was not for study purpose at all, but just for taking a shower because, of, <laughs> like the issue at my home. But overall, the thing that stood out to me was the way that students talked about the student center with such fondness and centered on ideas of community. It's like the Student Centre is a home away from home that would bring people from all over the world and different walks of life into one space. I definitely have memories that I, I'll definitely never forget. I remember I would like sort of go with all my course mates and we would get our home-cooked lunch and just sort of sit and like share food. And the really cool thing about this was the fact that, you know, we all came from like different backgrounds. So we would always bring something new, something different. And I think this whole feeling of you know this this whole feeling of community started really brewing at these uh, so-called uh, at the UCL spaces and that community is there with you even in the low points as Rosa points out there are some fond memories of sort of meeting a group of people there just so we could sort of all work in misery together um, in solidarity And I think those last thoughts perfectly capture how I experienced the Student Centre and UCL overall. It was a space to connect with so many different people who I otherwise would never have crossed paths with. It was a space of solidarity, sharing our dreams and our miseries all in one setting. And what's next for the people that I've encountered at the Student Centre? Two aspires to do further research into how high school students in Vietnam engage with gender and sexuality through their curriculum. Michelle is a speech therapist who intends to use the knowledge gained in her masters to promote the inclusion of people with special needs in her future work. Ishani is a professional instructional designer who wants to design learning experiences that enhance capabilities for people coming from different backgrounds. Rosa is exploring different ideas for her next steps, with the hope of landing a role related to international development. And finally, Carmen would like to have greater opportunities because of the degree that she's just obtained from UCL. Everyone is going on a different path in post-UCL life, but the Student Centre played a role in forming their UCL journey. And that's what makes it special for me, the fact that it houses so many different aspirations in one big space. And that concludes our Whistle Stop tour of the UCL campus. If you want to sign up for the full in-person tour, you can book your place at the UCL Walking Tour website.
at www.ucl.ac.uk forward slash about forward slash UCL walking tour. The tour runs every Friday at 12.30pm and departs from the North Lodge in the main quad. It lasts one hour and covers roughly a mile in distance, and it's completely free. The tour covers the stops described in the episode, as well as many others, and shares much more of their history. Thank you for listening to the sixth episode of Season 3. We'll be back next month with more stories from the UCL community. You have been listening to Made at UCL, the podcast. To listen to previous episodes or find out more about life at UCL, visit www.ucl.ac.uk forward slash made dash at dash UCL. Or subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. This episode was presented by myself, Keris Bradley, with stories from Ariana Razavi, Molly Razbash and Shanju Mwanza. It was produced by Hallie McCarthy with support from UCL and featured theme music from the Blue Dot Sessions. For a full list of audio credits, please see the show notes. Special thanks to everyone who was interviewed for this episode. This podcast is brought to you by UCL Minds, bringing together UCL knowledge, insights and expertise through events, digital content and activities that are open to everyone. See you next month.